I'll start with the Rams. The Rams, I'm not, I can't fully make my mind up on the Rams just yet because they, I know what the Rams like to do. They love to spread the ball around. They love to be aggressive. So I, I love that part about the Rams. But when I look back at some of these games, right, and I look at like the Bills game and I look at even yesterday's game, it just seems like sometimes they kind of play down to competition or they'll play with teams. And to me, to be an elite team, you have got to put teams away because Opulent Inventory, our proud partners here on the show. Now you can finally have the Apple product times the Apple guys. That's right, from AirPods to iPhones to MacBooks to Apple Watches to trade-ins and much more. Now you can have the Apple product of your dreams. Promo code podcast gets you 20% off. That's right, 20% off on any Apple item. Visit Opulent Inventory, Nash and Guardian. Those are great guys on all social media platforms, and on Instagram. Now, let's head back to the show. And we are back inside the studios, the WNSC, the Sebi Podcast Radio Show. Live streaming to you over 15 different platforms worldwide with the best tandem in the game. Myself and my ride partner, Michael Gray from the DMV area. Mike, what's happening? Peace and love, brother. All is well, man. Everything's doing good. How about you? How's everything on your end? Everything is going well. I mean, we had some trouble with traffic, but uh, <laughs> God willing, we got here. Um, today as well. How's what's popping in the DMV? Oh, it's a lot. It's a lot going on, you know, especially with the Redskins. You know, different quarterback changes and things of that nature. It's 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 starting to it's start it's starting to look it's starting to look like the same old uh, Washington football team that we've seen in the past. And I'll delve more into that as the show goes on. We'll get into that more goes on. You go from Kyle Allen to Alex Smith, who hasn't hit a snap or since 2018. But we'll get to the team later on on our segment here today. And we want to start off, obviously, with the biggest news, the Los Angeles Lakers, of course, winning their 17th NBA title, tying the Boston Celtics for the most all-time in in league history. LeBron James, fourth. When they handled their business in the fourth quarter when they Lakers made their run, they made it happen. We had two outstanding performances from Jimmy Butler, he was he was absolutely sensational in those two games. I'm talking about big time, 35 plus point triple doubles. Uh, it was it was amazing. It was an amazing performance from him and the others. Duncan Robinson showed up uh, when he needed to. This this entire team they they're a team that wins by committee. Yes, they have Jimmy Butler as their leader, but they get con- key contributions from everybody else on the court, and that's how that's how they won those games. And uh, shout out to them. They they were just outmatched. You saw it and get you saw it on Sunday, man. They. Their legs were shot. They they didn't have enough. You know, Jimmy Butler was limping 
uh, out of the press conference at the game five because he just he he played so so many minutes and that wasn't the only game where he played 46 47 plus minutes you know the game three that they won he played a lot of minutes throughout the series he's been playing a lot of minutes so uh and then you know on both sides of the ball doing what he has to do offensively and then having to guard lebron on the defensive side for most of the game so it was it was a big time performance for miami heat they have no reason to hang their heads they play like champions this entire bubble they overachieved in a lot of people's eyes who didn't even see them getting to this point. So hats off to the Miami Heat for a great for a great season. But at the same time, this is this is about the Lakers right now, and and they got it done for sure. Yes, they did as well. You talk about uh, Anthony Davis after the end of that game and in that present uh, the Larry O'Brien trophy in that presentation. You saw him devoting this for Kobe Bryant. He mentioned and said that this was for Kobe. This was from Kobe. We were fueled. We had motivation this year. We had to do it for the late great Kobe being Bryant. And they got it done. Um, Anthony Davis and LeBron James. And one can reckon this might be the best tandem that we've seen since uh, Shaq and Kobe in their late great days. But they got it done, Mike. You know, when you wear Mm -hmm. that purple and gold, there comes expectations. Mm -hmm. We first had, uh, you know, Jabbar, uh, my gosh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar <laughs> and Magic. And then, of course, we had Shaq and Kobe. Now we have James and Davis, and they got it done. And in that podium presentation, you saw that. And w- what a night, you know. You-, you think about the veterans in this team. You think about Rondo getting a second ring. You think about Dwight Howard for all the success he's had in his career, finally getting his illustrious uh, uh, ring. And you think about... Um, Danny Green, now a three-time champion, once with the Spurs last year with the Toronto Raptors and now going back-to-back now with the Los Angeles Lakers. So um, a lot of vets here, but uh, it was was something that I think the Lakers had circled from day one, that this was their goal, regardless if Kobe Bryant had died or something like that. Put that purple and gold. There comes expectations, Mike, and those expectations were met. Especially when you're a great player, because all the great Hall of Fame players that have ever come out of the the Los Angeles Lakers, all the big-time players have championships on their resume. So it's it's a different standard in L.A. They they, they breed and they want championships. So, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. When you wear that purple and gold, it's a different expectation. And then when you add that on top of the talent that you have on the team, along with those expectations, oh, it gets even heightened and people get excited. So this is a long-time thing in the making for the Lakers. And uh, you, you're absolutely right. This this team, the way it was constructed, it was just constructed upon length. Their defense was too much for most of this, most of the league, uh, including, including the Miami Heat. Their, their length, you just see, it wore them down. And then when, when Miami was absolutely fatigued, that length got, got to them even more. And they, they couldn't do it. It's suffocating. That suffocating defense is too much for a lot of teams, and it, and it proved throughout the, throughout this entire season, even in the bubble. It was it was a special performance from the Los Angeles Lakers, and they they got they got the job done. They handled their business, no matter who. People can say, oh, they avoided the Clippers. Yes, they have. Yeah, they avoided the Clippers. The only who, in my opinion, were the only team that could actually compete with them on a high level and actually give them a real run for their money. But at the same time, that's not their fault. They 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 handled their business and took care of everybody that was in front of them. And uh, you got to give you got to give credit to where credit is due. Got to give credit where credit is due. I thought some of the unsung heroes of the series, Rajon Rondo, mm-hmm. 19 in that game six. Boy, he had his imprint all series long against this uh, uh, Miami team, offensively, defensively. The guy, I, this is why oh, I'm yeah. worried about the Lakers, Mike. I learned about when LeBron goes to the bench, who would be that guy to run offense. Rondo definitely stepped up. And KCP, 
Yeah, that's right. Kentavious Caldwell Pope. This is a guy yep. coming out of Georgia, bounced around over the league, known as a three-point yep. shooter. But since uh, leaving Detroit, he hasn't been the same. But boy, when he lights out in this series, I thought there were some unsung heroes for the Lakers championship run uh, here as well. But we know with the championship that the Lakers won, it all falls down to one person. And that number is 23, and that is LeBron James himself winning his fourth title. Now he's four and six, Mike. Boy, four and six look better than three and seven now, right? Doesn't it? <laughs> exactly. So now we, we, we start to, to have those uh, chatters again, the, the LeBron James and the, uh, <laughs> and, and the Michael Jordan chatters here as well. So now he's, he's four and six. Obviously, he's not six and oh like Michael Jordan. But here are some stats, Mike. LeBron James now trails only – that's right, only magic for the most triple-doubles all-time in finals history. And, in fact, that's postseason history. LeBron James, the first player to yeah. ever lead three different franchises to a title run. That includes finals MVP honors. LeBron James right. as well, top five in all statistical – and this is just NBA finals – Mike, this is only NBA Finals records. Top five in steals, points, rebounds, assists, career percentage, and free throw percentage, and also field goal percentages in the finals. And, of course, we know he's top three in every category postseason all time. So when we start talking about the GOAT he, he's he's he's, he's, here, he's definitely Where does LeBron in the, in start the area to of I, the I think he's starting to it, creep know, up in that, in, 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 in that conversation. Whether you want to call him the GOAT or not, you know, it's, it, it really all depends on you know, who you cater to the most. It's all subjective. It's all opinionated. You know, at the end of the day, that's why, you know, we're 24 hours. We're not even 24 hours away from him winning his fourth championship. And all day, all you heard was the comparisons between, you know, is he better than Mike or is he, you know, is he on, is he up there with Kareem and those guys and things of that nature? You know, it really depends on who you ask and who you're talking to at the time because it's all subjective. You know, I, um, for me personally, I have him right outside of my top five. He's, he's creeping towards that fifth spot. And he, he more than likely will jump into that fifth spot before his in, or in, inside the top five before before his career is over and before it's all said and done, you know. But right now, I, right now, I I want to enjoy him as one of the five greatest, five or six greatest players that ever played this game, and uh, he deserves he deserves that moment as well. But um, you know, worrying about whether he's the goat or not, I really don't think that's a legit conversation we need to have until he's fully retired. We haven't seen the full culmination of his career. We haven't seen the rest of it. Um, so I, I feel like. Right now, he's in a great spot because he's in the conversation. But until he retires and we can actually total out his entire career and compare it to other, the other greats that have paved the way and played this game as well, that's when we can have a legit conversation about whether or not he's the GOAT or not. But right now, I just don't, I just don't, I don't, even, I don't even like to compare and have that conversation uh, at this point. Since the age of 16, LeBron James has tatted to himself the chosen one. When one that is chosen and one that is given much expectations, much is expected. And thus far, he has delivered despite his failures throughout <laughs> his uh, career. Mike, we want to shift gears real quick tonight. We know we, <laughs> we run out of time. Mm. It's, it's a lot to cover in, in such a short time. We shift gears to the NFL here where week five of the NFL, we kind of missed week four, um, but we're back. Uh, here in America to dis debate week five. We saw what Michael displayed uh, with the Raiders um, uh, talking about what a big win that they had in Arrowhead, Mike. Um, probably the game of the week this past season and probably the surprise of the week. Nobody saw that coming. But Derek Carr and, and guys like Henry Ruggs III, 
and and also Josh Jacobs. This is something that's actually really impressive to me, Mike, because I mm -hmm. when the Raiders were on the board at number 12 in this previous draft here, they picked Henry Ruggs at 12. And I thought mm -hmm. to myself, this is a pick yep. that John Gruden picked because of the division. Because you have to think about it. In this division, you have Patrick Mahomes, you have Tyreek Hill. You need a guy for Derek Carr to push the ball vertically downfield, and you need a guy kind of like Tyreek Hill. Now, I'd like to see that race. I'd like to see who's faster. Is it Henry Ruggs or is it Tyreek Hill? That'd be a fantastic uh, 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 matchup to watch, um, as in a 40-yard dash or even a, <laughs> you could even put a 100-yard a, a dash. That'd be great to watch. But this was a pick that the Raiders picked at 12 specifically for the division because the Raiders knew if we were going to compete in the division this year, we had to be able to find a guy that could put up points and we could match touchdown per touchdown, possession per possession against and go toe to go against Patrick Mahomes and that elite. Absolutely. Boy, they Absolutely. Did it. Guys like Josh Jacobs, Henry Ruggs, uh, Darren Waller. He's yeah, they definitely did. The Raiders showed up big time. He's and, starting and to know as an underrated title. You know, and the boy, the Raiders showed up, and you mentioned they've about dominated it, right? every uh, the, the other the three games that outside of their division, <laughs> they've dominated those games. But the two games that have been in their division against the Chargers uh, in week uh, two or three, I believe, and then uh, this 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 game this past Sunday against Oakland, they've struggled. They, they they've had a tougher time. They and I think it has a lot to do with the familiarity of you're going against your divisional rival twice a year every year, and, and the fact that these two teams know each other very very well. And, um, you know, it was, it was tough for him. And everybody knows – I don't care if you're a division rival or not. Everybody knows that when you go up against the, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs, you have to score points. So that, that, that's, just, that's just the foregone conclusion. You're not, you're not going to contain them or stop them from as much. So your offense has to be ready to go. And they were ready to go today. And they showed – one thing I also paid attention to is not only with Oakland, but with the other teams in the division. You see like, – like, I'm glad you brought up with Henry Ruggs because you see these other teams in the division um, – uh, preparing their organization and gearing their team up, setting them up to compete against the Kansas City Chiefs, to compete with them offensively, to put up big-time numbers. And like you said, Henry Ruggs, Darrell Waller, uh, Josh, the, the combination of Josh Jacobs and Devontae Booker running out of that backfield. And I have to give some credit to that Raiders offensive line. That offensive line was special in that game yesterday. They put a hat on a hat. They drove them guys off the field, and they got to the second level, and they made things happen. And they created big-time open lane holes for Josh Jacobs and Buck and Booker to make it happen. So that offensive line really set the tone and the defensive line for the Kansas for the uh Oakland Ra uh excuse me, Las Vegas Raiders as well. And set the tone for them because they they put pressure in that second half on Mahomes. They had him uh tap dancing in the pocket a little bit. His throws were a little off. They forced him into his first interception of the season and uh with Jeff Heath and it was almost a pick six. And from that point on you could just see the confidence from this team oozing. And even when Kansas City was was looked like they were poised to come back and potentially tie the game up and get the ball back. They found a way to get it done, and they found a way to keep the ball and end this game. It was a great performance from the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. It's their second big-time performance this year, going up against a, a, a potential Super Bowl contending team earlier in Week 2, beating the Saints, this this week beating the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. So these, type, these are the type of games that you have early in the season that can shape a team and shape a franchise moving forward and, and get them – playing some great quality football. You have to give your hats off to John Gruden and his Las Vegas Raiders team because they put up an epic performance and uh, they really showed uh, true grit and true heart against a tough against a tough team and the defending champs. Yes, they did as well. Speaking of that mm -hmm. division in the AFC West, the Chargers, as it stands, as we're recording here, up 2013. And 
the under five minutes here in the third quarter. Justin Herbert looking for a signature yep. win in the Mercedes Superdome against Drew Brees. Generation versus former generation, right? Uh, that's where, as it stands here on Monday Night Football. I want to talk about some of the key storylines that are in the NFL this week. We'll get to uh, some more and dig deeper to the week five of the NFL later yeah. on in our later segment. But I want to dig deeper right now to some yep. of the biggest storylines. Dak Prescott, it's been noted that six months he'll be out. Um, he had his surgery today. Surgery went very well. But even as a Giants fan, and we know how much Giants fans hate the Dallas Cowboys, you got to feel bad for a guy that, you know, Mike, that, that that's that's kind of proven himself. That's kind of... Yep. proven himself thus far and not has, yep. hasn't got his money. And this is where I have a problem with Jerry Jones, Mike. This is where I have a problem with Jerry Jones. Dak Prescott through three seasons, right? Through three seasons. We're not just talking where he has right now. He's in his fifth season. Through three seasons, only th- two quarterbacks had more uh, completion percentage and touchdowns as the Dallas quarterback over him. That's right. And I was Roger Staubach and I was Tony Romo. They were looked as revered as legends and with a star. And you look at a guy like Dak Prescott since week three, all he's done in year four is lead the NFL over 5,000 yards passing. And then right now he was on pace to (laughs) even shatter that. And yet the Dallas Cowboys don't want to pay him. And this is why I worried about the Dallas Cowboys not paying him. The guy performed up to this part, up to this part of, of his career, and he did not get paid. Why do you want to get paid in year four heading to week five, uh, year four heading to year five? Because an insurance policy, when it comes like this, you want to be able to have some money while being injured. Now, we're not saying Patrick Mahomes, 140 million guaranteed, even if you're hurt over 10 years. But you got to have something in insurance policy for your franchise quarterback. Now, they do have Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton isn't bad. And he's a capable when you when you look at a situation like this, Chevy, guy, I don't care what the situation the is. I don't care. Dakota uh, my, my my uh long like long lifetime um sports hatred, I, I call it for the Cowboys. It's all about it's all in the fun in the game. When you take a situation like this with Dak Prescott getting hurt like that, I don't care who who the situation is. Nobody nobody roots for that. Nobody wants to see that. Nobody who uh, is a true sports fan and a true. Uh, uh, that shows true sportsmanship wants to see a player go down like that. That was brutal, especially somebody like Dak, who's been so loyal to this franchise, who's given them everything that they have and put it all on, out on the line every single Sunday and uh, ever since he's come into the league. So, you know, it was, t- it was definitely tough to see, but it was even tougher to see knowing the fact that, you know, the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones decided to uh, pay guys like Demarcus Lawrence, who I feel like is one of the most overrated defensive ends in the league, in my opinion. He's a, he's a, he's good, but he's not a hundred million dollars good, in my opinion. You you know you paid you paid Ezekiel Elliott rightful, rightfully so before you paid your, your franchise quarterback. You know you paid you paid Jalen Smith your last star linebacker rightfully so, but but before you paid your uh, uh, franchise quarterback who you who you really who you really you really revered. you paid my Mari Cooper. You're taking care of all of the pieces on the outside. Before you take care, they paid Amari Cooper, Mike, and then you um, uh, and then you feel bad for him for the situation when he gets hurt. At the same time, you can't, you know, you looked at it as a business situation. So now moving forward, he has to look at it as a business situation. He has to look at it when he's when he's fully healthy after these six months. He has to look at it from the standpoint of okay, I can't, I can't, I can't be try to be loyal to a franchise that wasn't all the way loyal to me. I have to figure out what the best opportunity is for me moving forward, and um, and we'll see, and we'll see where where, where that takes him, but. You're absolutely right. It was a terrible situation. Nobody wants to see that. 
it hurt watching him cry because you know how much he puts on the line, but you also knew the fact that he's still on a franchise tag, everything that he's done for this team. So I, I feel like it was a lot of different emotions going through his head during that time when he was carted off that field, man. And you're right, you never want to see that situation. You know, even as a Giants fan, I don't care who, who it was, that, 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 that definitely hurt to watch. Watch there for sure. The Dallas Cowboys gutted out. Uh, emotional, uh, very emotional, 37 to 34 victory. I thought the Giants looked well as well. A desperate Giants team who obviously didn't want to trail that much in the NFC East. But um, the Cowboys got it done and they improved to two and three. Yes on the season a couple more games mike Mm -hmm. we look ahead to tomorrow week five isn't over we got a big one the battle of unbeatens you've got the 4-0 buffalo bills boy i don't think anybody has improved better more than josh allen 4-0 the buffalo bills third ranked offense in the nfl they're known for their defense mike now but their offense are starting to explode and now they go travel to lp field in nissan stadium (laughs) to tennessee where all the covid all the of uh, you know, they, they, the fans got it. The bars got it. Uh, the owners got it. They travel to LB Field. They're unbeaten as well under Ryan Tannehill and the reigning rushing we, title we expect champion a, 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 and Derrick Henry as well. Similar, it should be set up for a good one. What should we expect tomorrow way, night? Because you have the Tennessee Titans, who, yes, they were they ground and pound and they run the football, but they've shown this year. They they find a way to uh, – they, they can throw that ball too. Ryan Tannehill is playing, playing very well this year, and he can put up some numbers as well. So they can – they really capitalize off the fact that Derrick Henry is as a decoy sometimes and, and use that play action, and it's working for these, for these guys down the field. But Buffalo, what we've seen from Buffalo this year on both sides of the ball is absolutely tremendous. Sebi, when I, Sebi, Sebi, when I watch Josh Allen, I see a, sim, I see a similar poise and right. confidence in the pocket that I saw from Patrick Mahomes when he first came into the league. Now, we've seen him grow from his first year to his second year to now. We've seen him continuously grow year by year by year. But now that he has the weapons like of a Stephon Diggs, a Cole Beasley, guys like that, a very solid running game, and an offensive line that's, that's really improving as, as games go on, we're, I'm seeing his confidence in the pocket. And he's looking poised. He's looking like a young, like what Patrick Mahomes looked like in his first year and his second year coming out. So I, I'm, I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing from Josh Allen and this, this Buffalo Bills defense as well. It's still, it's still, um, uh, still balling out and doing his thing. This is a very solid team. This Tennessee Titans uh, team is very solid. It's battling the two unbeatens. It's going to be a dog fight. It's going to come down to the wire. And this is a big game because it's a divisional matchup. And it's going to win. Excuse me. It's going to it's going to come down to the wire. And it's going to be a big time matchup for sure. It's not a divisional matchup, but it's but it's a matchup that um, for the AFC is it could be key moving forward depending on how these teams finish out the rest of the year. Zena. AFCs right now. I think the Titans are in the driver's seat to win the AFC South. A very bad AFC South, but the 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 Bills right now are in the driver's seat to win the AFCs. Depending on if Cam comes back for the sure. Patriots, that's to be determined there, there as well. But I want to get last note here before we switch gears. I want to talk about Josh Allen. You know, he reminds me of Mike. You know, I, he reminds me of a poor man's Ben Roethlisberger and Cam Newton, and I'm gonna tell you why. Ben Roethlisberger, his ability, how big he is. We know how big Josh Allen is. And the gunslinger's mentality, Josh Allen has the same type of arm, but Josh Allen has the same type of running ability and the size and the girth of Cam Newton. So I put those together. You put Ben Roethlisberger and you put Cam Newton. You put that together. You add those two. That equates to who? 
that equates to Donovan McNabb. Now, I don't think he's the thrower that Donovan McNabb is. Not as accurate. Hmm. But I see similarities in the yeah, games he definitely has. as in terms of how they play. And, boy, he's shown that he can throw that football this year. continuously fight for extra yards, breaking defender tackles, and, uh, and try to get that first down or try to leap for that touchdown and get every inch that they possibly can. And that's what you see from Josh Allen. I remember a play, uh, I, I forget who they played last week, but I remember a, a specific play it was like third and eight, and he was running the ball and he got out the pocket. And he broke uh, some would-be tacklers that, that, that should have been sure tackles he broke those tackles and almost got to the first down mark, but it was like he didn't get the first down. But those type of runs set the tone and let the, let your team know that you're willing to fight and get every inch to get that first down or, or do whatever it takes to win a football game. You're not saving yourself. So the, the, he, he, I, in that aspect, I do see similarities with the Cam Newton as far as running the ball. But uh, accuracy-wise, he's continuously getting a lot better. And uh, these weapons that he has on the outside um, – are our key contributors to that. Some of the key uh, contributors, none bigger than the biggest acquisition of this summer. Stefan Diggs leads the NFL in receptions and second in yards as a receiver since coming out of Buffalo. It's, John Brown. Hey, Sebi, I want to say, I wanna say one more thing about because of that double coverage. Shout out to those Simon Browns. Browns. The gets. way they're winning in, in multiple different ways, throwing the football, running the ball, defensively, it's a special team. Speaking of the Browns and speaking of football, we're not going anywhere because when we come back, an L.A. native, boy, L.A. is popping right now, right? The parade is coming soon. Ashley Ross, the model, the sports influencer that she is, will join us. The Subby Podcast Radio Show returns to you. Back here inside the studios, you're definitely see the Sebi Podcast radio show. As promised, our next guest here from the Ashley Ross Podcast. Uh, she's a female, but she knows her stuff. She knows her football stuff, I must admit. And, of course, a purple and gold native uh, from uh, that area. I know she's happy about the result that happened last night um, for the Los Angeles Lakers. Ashley, we're pleased to have you join us tonight. First off, thank you guys. Second of all, Lakers and six, baby. <laughs> How y'all doing? We're doing good. We're good. Doing good. Well. So where were you when, when uh, obviously, the Lakers won? I, I know you were excited and obviously probably jumping around. No, I was I was so excited. So I was, I was celebrating my sister's birthday. And then once I knew it was official, they had won. I was just, I'm just so excited for not only the Laker organization, but just the city of LA. I mean, they've been through so much in the last two years with the untimely passing of Nipsey Hussle. Then you had Kobe and Gigi earlier this year. We're in a pandemic. I just felt like the only thing that feels right in 2020 was a Laker chip and Braun Braun and company delivered. So I'm, I'm happy. <laughs> and of course, uh, what's that chant called? 80s on the what? What? 80s on the what? 80s on the way, right? 
Oh, AD is on the way. AD is on the way. <laughs> Shout out to my boy, Savvy. He's the one who came up with that. Before AD actually came to the Lakers, he took Magic Johnson. I guess Magic was at, like, some church or doing something. And he took Magic's voice. And, you know, AD was on the way, and he has delivered. <laughs> yes, he has delivered for sure. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers tying my Boston Celtics for the most <laughs> uh, championships all time. So shoot, the way it's looking, they're gonna go up again next year. I'm uh, everybody. We already talking about two P. Oh, y'all talking oh, about Oh, y'all oh, talking. Oh, y'all talking about back to back. Listen, listen. That job was finished. Now we on to the next job. Not even okay. twenty four hours in, huh? Not okay. even twenty four hours. The grind don't stop. Okay. All right. Well, that's remained to be seen. But <laughs> <laughs> let's talk back. But to reality, back in our um, past segment here, we were talking about week five of the NFL, and we mentioned some of the biggest storylines. Derek Carr going into Arrowhead, getting a huge statement win for the Raiders, the mm-hmm. Dak Prescott and Jerry Jones situations. What was your biggest takeaway from week five? I mean, I think, I mean, it, it, we had such highs and lows, right? So on one side, you have Alex Smith getting the start for what not getting the start but going in at Washington Mm -hmm. and that was just so exciting because we know what he's been through and all the surgeries and the fact that he even is playing football again and then his family was there so you have this great feel-good story in the beginning half of the day and then the second half with just Dak and I mean just the air went out of the NFL once he went down I mean you could see I mean there's just certain plays that you can see like something's gravely wrong and you could see that immediately when you saw him Um, but I think the thing that was you know, kind of what I've taken as the silver lining and all that is you saw really the respect and the camaraderie that everybody has for Dak. And, you know, it is an uncertain situation because he is on the franchise tag. My hope is that Jerry and company will do right by him in his time of need because he has given all he can to the Cowboys. So Jerry, pay the man. Yeah, yeah, they need to. And, and that's exactly what Mike and I brought up. I mean, he's, do, he's done his due diligence up to this far. Uh, throughout three seasons. I thought after three seasons, he's performed enough to get at least an extension. Now, exactly what he did last year, he threw for over 5,000 yards. And then this year, he's well on pace to even shatter that. And your guy goes down, and this is the insurance policy that we've been talking about. Now, obviously, he's not Patrick Mahomes. We're not expecting $140 million worth of No, absolutely. But he, the guy deserves something in case of an injury like this. Now you're actually in this situation. Reality just hits you. Where do the Mm -hmm. Cowboys go from here? Well, see, you know what? And I think a lot of people in the offseason, when they were going back and forth with the whole contract situation, when they picked up Andy Dalton, I think people forget, like, Andy Dalton is a formidable quarterback. I mean, he's not a bad quarterback (laughs) at all. He he isn't. He's not, and he spent a lot of years in Cincinnati. And, again, who's to say that – was it on him? You know, was it, you know, Marvin Lewis's system? Like, who's to say what it really was that why Cincinnati was so bad all those years? But I definitely think he's got talent. I think he's a – I don't think he's just a regular second stringer. So that's the confidence you have as a, a Cowboy fan. But I think what's actually going to work out for the Cowboys, if, if you're going to take any good out of this, is I think because they had been so pass-reliant these past couple weeks they've been getting into these holes, they have kind of gone away from the identity of the run so I think with them having to really rely more so on Uh Zeke I think that's going to actually help them in the long run of the Uh season because even prior to Dak going down I was like what's their identity on offense are they a passing team are they a running team you know so I think this will actually 
somewhat work out. I think, you know, he's not going to be Dak Prescott, but I, I, I'm not, I don't think they're going to just take such a huge, huge step back with Andy Dalton. I would agree. You drafted Ezekiel Elliott fourth overall for a reason. People tend to forget team. They're built in the trenches, right? They're built. Mm-hmm. Fredericks, you, you've got Zach Martin. You also got Tyron Smith. This is a team that is built for the run game. And I think they need to get back to that. And Ezekiel Elliott, whether he's, I don't know, damaged goods or whether he's not the same, he doesn't have that burst that he had in his past early seasons in his career. He's still very, very effective. And I think a top five back in the game. And I think that will help a guy like Andy Dalton. But to get back to your mention though, now there aren't any excuses for Andy Dalton. This is the best, you know, representative of weapons that he's had. And that includes Cincinnati. You've got CeeDee Lamb. You've got Amari. I mean, you've got Gallup. And you've got Zeke as a pass catcher as well. So I think now the Cowboys, they don't have the expectations that obviously America had for them to be Super Bowl contenders. But this is definitely a team that still has expectations. Well, let's be honest with Dallas. Every year people say that they're a Super Bowl (laughs) contender. I mean, this is like Dallas's MO. Like Dallas could go 0-16 and they'd be like, but how about them Cowboys? Right. And so I just feel like with Dallas, I mean, they're in the they they have a lot of things in their favor. They're in the NFC lease. They're they're literally number one in their division right now at two and three. You know, so it's not going to take a lot to win this division. Um, I think we still had questions, even with Dak completely healthy. Can this team actually make a postseason run? Which we've seen them have some postseason success. So I don't. I mean, I I'm a huge Dak Prescott person. I have been Team Dak since day one. Like. In, uh, you know, for the injured Tony Romo, and I was like, go with Dak and never look back, which they had. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Dak person, but I don't necessarily, as much as I like him, I don't think it changes their season all that much because their problems weren't on offense. It's defense is their biggest issue. Right. I would agree uh, there as well. I've been a big fan of Russell Wilson. Russell People has looked at me weird. I think. I think he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and I know you're a huge supporter of the Hawks. Uh, People can debate me and at me later. Yes, I do believe he's better than Patrick Mahomes. Now, he's not as talented as Patrick Mahomes, but you talk about longevity. You talk about postseason success. uh, There isn't anything in the field that Patrick Mahomes can do that not doing do more with less too. The ball. He has the better touch of the ball. Yeah. That that's what I, that's the up I would give Patrick Mahomes. I love Russell. Patrick has a better touch of the ball and what and how he can like twerk and contort the ball. That's where I would give him the edge. But like you said, longevity, you know, clutchness, all those things. Russ, they're they're one A and one B. Right. So right now, obviously, he's got 20 touchdowns over five, five weeks span. Run away as the lead candidate for MVP. Uh, could anybody even catch him this season? Do I think? don't think so. And yes. Because this is why. You, you think somebody can catch him? Like, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Okay. Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Absolutely. The way yeah. he's playing right no. now, Aaron Rodgers can catch him. Okay. Okay. I'm going to make my argument, and then I want to hear your Aaron Rodgers argument. Gotcha. This is why I don't feel like anybody can catch him. Russell should have been had an MVP, you know, a couple seasons ago, you know, you had Mahomes burst onto the scene last year. You had, um, uh, uh, Lamar Jackson. So he has, I'm just upset that Matt Ryan has an MVP before Russell Wilson, 
But that's neither here nor that's neither here nor there. Russell has been so consistent for so long. And the reason I just feel like he's been so underappreciated because sometimes when you're so good and you're so consistently good, people kind of take you for granted a little bit. And that's what I think has happened. Like when this MVP comes around that, you know, whoever had like a spectacular season or this or that, but he's done it over a period of time with, you know, he's finally somewhat now getting a line in what, how many years is he in the league at this point? So I, 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 I don't think anybody, I don't even think Aaron Rodgers is catching him because this, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is doing great things, but we've seen this before. I mean, <laughs> Russell Wilson, I think if he keeps pace and he could really, you know, especially with the weapons that they have and like Metcalf and some of the other guys, if he can really keep pace and, you know, have the most touchdowns in a season or get close to that, I mean, he's the for sure MVP, <laughs> hands down. And if they stay undefeated. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. I see where you're coming from because he has a big jump right now already through five games. And he's he's doing his thing. Russell Russell has been doing his thing, and it's it seems like right now is his time. It seems like this is the moment for him to finally get over the hump and get the MVP, especially after mm-hmm. everything that he's going through. And I see that part, but I'm also seeing a guy over there in Green Bay at number twelve who hasn't looked like number the same number twelve that we used to see in the last couple of years, and he's come out this season on fire. Still has yet to throw an interception through four games, so I, I, it's it's gonna it's a long race. You know, we're only twenty five percent through the through the season. It's a marathon. It's a marathon. I, I so we'll, we'll see. I, I, I will agree as well, but I mean, number three in Seattle, I, first of all, to your point, Ash, I mean, he's in the Pacific Northwest. We know how mm-hmm. small market. Did they get lost over there for they? And I think it's blasphemous in nine seasons. He hasn't had an MVP vote. Forget about even winning the MVP. He hasn't had an MVP vote over through nine seasons, but for what he's done right now, and I do agree with you, I think right now he's a runaway MVP, and I think he'll probably get it and get over a rump this season. It's because this Seattle team, other than Bobby Wagner or Jamal Adams, who's been a great acquisition, who exactly. else? Right? And Russell Wilson has to be the guy to kind of backpack these guys to victory. And, and think about it like this. Through five games, he's averaging <laughs> – think about this. Averaging uh, – quarterback rating of 120.3 so i mean just the ridiculous the things that he's doing well. right now look it's, it's at, crazy the thing they he put they put up over 30 on a bill belichick defense say what you want about the patriots this season bill belichick what do we know him for his calling card defense so for you to put up those kind of numbers against a bill belichick defense in week what two or three in the season that should let you know he is on fire Oh yeah, oh yeah, he's doing his thing. Yep. He's definitely doing his thing. It's just we'll, we'll see. It's just a long season, but he's definitely he's definitely in the driver's seat right now for sure. I give him that. Yep, Ashley Ross on the Savvy Podcast yeah, Ashley, Radio Show. Up a great point about the NFL headlines about Alex Smith coming into the game and um, you know, everything that he's been through and things like that. I want to get to a question and, and I want to get to an insight on the process of him getting to that point because we see Kyle Allen become the starter this week off of. Uh, Dwayne has benching Dwayne Haskins coming off of his best statistical game of his career, mm-hmm. and the, the, you hear Ron Rivera in the press conference say things like, "Oh, um, uh, Kyle Allen suits this system more. He understands the system more. Uh, we're in a win ready now situation, uh, so that's why we're going with this move." My my opinion was, if this is the uh, mentality that you had, then why was Dwayne Haskins the starter in the first place? You know, that, that was, that was exactly. always my mentality. And I feel like Dwayne Haskins, since he came into the league with Washington, he's been, he's had a, he's been done a bad deal. He hasn't had a chance to develop multiple different head coaches. 
I just I just feel like the process of getting to the point of Alex Smith ultimately becoming the starter, I feel like it was shaky and I feel like it was it was a disservice to Dwayne Haskins, uh, another quarterback in, in Washington yet again. What are your thoughts on that? I, I completely agree with everything you said. I think Haskins was kind of set up to fail from the beginning mm-hmm. because when you look at it last season, you know, Rivera comes in this season. So it's not like he drafted Haskins. He doesn't have a vested interest. You know, we, as much as we love Ron Rivera and we're, you know, praying for him with everything he's going through, it's not like this is his guy that he brought in. Right. I mean, Kyle Allen was with, you know, the Panthers last season. So you have to just look at it as well of, you know, before the injury even to him, there was rumblings of they're trying to line this up for Alex Smith. So to get, you know, bumped from not even just being the starter to all the way third string, yeah, I would have a stomach flu and not be at the game either, you know? (laughs) And so, like, I think with Haskins and, you know, I I saw his quarterback coach come out who's trained guys like Deshaun and some other guys in the league, and it's true, it's 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 let's be real about it. If you're a black quarterback and you're not excellent out of the gate, they don't really give you as much time to develop as say some of the other quarterbacks. And that's just kind of a fact. So I think with Haskins, um, I, I definitely don't think he's horrible. I think maybe, you know, like he's just, you know, it's kind of a hard point in the NFL, right? When you have guys like Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson who just come up and light the league on fire. You know, some guys, you know, really do take, especially at the QB position, it's a way bigger jump from college to NFL. You know, the reads you have to make, the development, the systems you have to learn. You know, there's just so much more of an undertaking from the college to the pro level. And if you don't, it seems like now, I mean, it it just seems like the expectation is if you're not ready to go right away, like they cast you away, you know, and so I don't think that's necessarily great for guys because we might miss out on some really good gems down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think his his tenure in Washington is, is coming to a close. It, it definitely looks like it is coming to a close. And you brought up a great point about Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. Those are two guys that came into great systems, great organizations mm-hmm. that were already set in line. And they needed that. And they, that Look at if Mahomes would have went to the Bears. He'd you know? probably be a mess. You know? The, all the weapons right, that were afforded right. to him when he came in, took the job from Alex Smith, and then you got Lamar Jackson, who came to that organization in Baltimore that was already set up, you know, for for a, a Super Bowl run. So it's it's different layers. You have a Washington team right now that, outside of a few players, this is an entirely new system, an entirely new team. So you. You can't talk about a win-now situation. I'm just happy my boy Adrian Peterson got up out of there. And even though Detroit isn't the greatest style, I'm just happy he's not in the infected area anymore. Sure. What, what, I want to I get your thoughts, too, on the progression and the maturity that we're seeing this year from the Cleveland Browns. Based on based oh. off what we saw them last year, they went through their maturation process of getting humbled from teams. You know, people expecting them to be great last year. Uh, they, 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 they fell on their face. They, 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 they lost games that, you know, they, they deserve to lose. And they come back this year with a veteran mindset, a veteran, uh, more veteran leadership on the defensive side and offensive side of the ball. And they're winning in a multitude of ways. What are your thoughts on the Browns this year? I absolutely love the Browns. I have loved the Browns for the last couple of years. But to me, there were just always just something just wasn't fully there for me to just be all the way in. After yesterday's game against the Colts, which you could argue is, if not the best defense in all of football, the fact that they did all that, even minus Nick Chubb, because this is the thing, too, with the Browns. I said the formula for the Browns has been this. If you can keep Baker like under 25 attempts and you can run the ball and not really have him put it in harm's 
Adams way, you'll be fine. But what they really figured out in these last two weeks, you saw it last <laughs> week with Odell and this week with Odell, you have got to find a way every game to get Odell energized and engaged in this game. And I think Kevin Stefanski, I wasn't fully sold on him as a coach just because, you know, with the Minnesota situation, I was like, I don't know how this is going to really go, but I think he's been the perfect addition and you can just see what a difference good coaching makes. Like you said, they have been humbled. They, you know, had such high expectations. They kind of fell flat. I, I really think the Browns could be a very sleeper team. I could see them being a wild card and I could see them really going far. I just love the way that they're playing overall right now. They're playing some great football, man. They're playing great football right now, Sebi. Yeah, but I agree. I agree there as well. When I obviously, you know, there, there comes expectations of with the Cleveland Browns and then now you were on a hunter all these years. You had all these first round draft picks, but now you bank on them. They got to pan out to be something. And you looked at the Cleveland Browns on paper and you thought they have all the talent in the world. But yeah, okay, are they paper champions mm-hmm. or anything like that? But I like what they've done the second, third year, actually, with Baker with Baker Mayfield under center. And now Odell Beckham, you heard all the trade rumors. You probably don't hear them <laughs> anymore now. And along with Jarvis Landry, they are still, talent-wise, probably – up there as the two best tandem receivers in the NFL. And then the combination of Chubb and Hunt, what a guy. He's he's been special. My my biggest thing with them is they've shown they can win in multitude ways. You saw the game in Dallas where they ran the football. They're calling call. Even when Chubb went out, Kareem Hunt was doing his thing, running the football. And then you see this game um, against the Colts on Sunday. The Colts took the running game out out, out early. Early they couldn't run the ball. It was tough for them to get, get going. But Baker Mayfield held surge, and he was able to throw the, throw the football around and, and get big plays. And they, you, it just shows the maturity of this team. When one, when they, when the defense takes away one piece, you come, you come back with another, another set and showing another side of your, your weapons and things like that. So this, and on top of the defense playing very, very well right now. So this Cleveland Browns team is is, is special, and I'm loving what I'm seeing coming off a season that they had last year. Speaking of some of the best teams uh, that are through five weeks here, I, I think there's a couple of teams that are going under the radar. Maybe a team that you're probably familiar mm-hmm. with, Ash, and that is the Los Angeles Rams now 4-1. and one. Uh, I think Jared Goff now, they've kind of turned the keys and the franchises to him. No more Todd Gurley. You can't hand the ball off a- a- anymore. So now they've kind of spread out this offense. Now it's up to Jared Goff and his growth. And what he's done now, they're four and one, but also mm-hmm. I think the four and oh Pittsburgh Steelers, they're they're under the radar. We know that Juju Smith Schuster is going to get the double coverage assignments, but that's going <laughs> to open up plays for James Washington and obviously uh, Claypool, who had a monstrous game against the Philadelphia Eagles. So if I tell you out of the two teams, whether we're talking the Steelers or the Rams, which one of those teams in their respective conferences can make a so deep run? I'll start with the Rams. The Rams, I'm not. I can't fully make my mind up on the Rams just yet because they, I I know what the Rams like to do. They love to spread the ball around. They love to be aggressive. So I I love that part about the Rams. 
But when I look back at some of these games, right, and I look at, like, the Bills game, and I look at even yesterday's game, it just seems like sometimes they kind of play down to competition or they'll play with teams. And to me, to be an elite team, you have got to put teams away because once you get into the playoffs, you cannot give anybody an inch. So with the Rams, I just need to see them more consistently have a good start to finish game. Like, they kind of have these lull moments and then they pick it up. I need to see, like, a good 60 minutes from the Rams. Steelers, I still kind of have some questions about them because, you know, they ended up having that bye week due to everything kind of shuffling out with like COVID and everything. Um, but I, I think the Steelers, what's interesting to me is, I mean, they just are, it seems like every couple of years with the Steelers, they always just have like this piece or this guy <laughs> that comes out of nowhere yep. that's like super exciting, mm-hmm. right? And like three touchdowns on the day. It, 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 they just, the thing I like about the Steelers, they're well coached. They're disciplined, and I love Mike Tomlin. He's, I think, one of the more underrated coaches in the league. I don't feel like he's in enough of the great coaches in the league conversations, Um, but I I like their defense. I'm a big defensive person, so I know that the Rams have Aaron Donald, uh, but I think right now I just have a little bit more confidence in the Steelers Mm. from what I've seen. I I would agree there as well. I'd agree mm-hmm. as well. They, they've got some guys, Minka Fitzpatrick, TJ Watt, Bud Dupree. The list goes on uh, there as well. Um, wh- what about some of these other teams? you got, obviously, the Ravens. There's big expectations on them. And I think um, also Lamar Jackson, to me, he is the guy that's in, that has the most to prove this season. He's in a hot seat, in my opinion, yes. because – we know what people <laughs> are. You're James Harden. That's a really good comparison. Exciting. I hope he, I you hope put he doesn't all these monstrous numbers. James, but that's a good comparison. But, yeah, <laughs> right, but you're 0-2 as a, in the postseason. So I, I have question marks with the Ravens, and, and I don't know what the Bears are either at 4-1. and one. So what are your questions that well, need to be Ravens, answered by those I two franchises? the Ravens kind of like I viewed the Warriors a couple years ago. It's like the regular season doesn't count for them. You know, we know what they're going to give us in the regular season. I want to know it's about the postseason or bust. And for Baltimore, the one good thing that they do have on their side is Lamar Jackson. you got to put it in perspective. I think this is actually only, what, year three for yes. him in the league, yes. right? So, so we, I mean, yes, we have these high expectations, which is good. But look at the progression he made from year one to year two, an MVP season. Look at the progressions this year. I mean, the biggest thing with Lamar is – in the Ravens in general, we know what they can do when they dominate teams. Whether they have struggled is when they get down, can they play from behind? That's the biggest question mark mm-hmm. with the Ravens. Great point. That's and that, so yeah, and the for Chiefs me, exposed them for that. Is yep. We need to see, can you guys actually, can you make the throws when you need to make the throws, and can you actually rally from behind? That's why the teams like Seattle and the Chiefs, we've seen, we've seen them win so many different ways. We're not concerned about that. The Ravens, it's very concerning because more than likely, at some point in the playoffs, you're going to be down. So what are you going to do when you get down? So I think that's it for the Ravens. And then for the Bears, I, I like Foles, but th- this is kind of the weird thing about Foles, right? Like when he's the guy and the pressure and the expectation is on him to like carry a season, I don't know how he deals with the season. Like what it's for him to carry a couple moments and a couple games, he shines like the brightest. He's the best relief pitcher in the game. Mm. But I, I don't know what he can, I don't know how <laughs> he's going to respond to a whole season. Sidebar, I'm watching the Chargers game and I picked the Chargers. So <laughs> shout out to the Chargers. They drive. So, 
So I think with the um, with the Bears, I mean, that was a very impressive win against Tampa Bay. So you have to give them their credit. Um, and, you know, Green Bay looks like they're in the driver's seat, but, but they could challenge. Great point about Nick Foles and the Bears. I feel like with this, see, this is why I, I was high on the Bears last week. This Bears team, in my opinion, is a very interesting team because of how elite their defense is. Nick Foles, we know we know that uh, all they need is a quarterback that can, you know, he doesn't have to be Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't have to be Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson. He just has to manage the game. He has to the manage game the game and... if he doesn't turn the ball over. And I feel like yeah. Nick Foles is that perfect person for them because Mitchell Trubisky, we just saw it. He just wasn't getting the job done. But Nick Foles, he's somebody that, you know, has the experience and has the mentality of a of somebody that's done it before and been there. So he knows he knows the game. And with these weapons, you see what Allen Robinson can do. Like this, the, in my opinion, this Bears team is very poised to potentially make a run depending on, what the, on how they uh, finish out the rest of the season. And football is such a game of momentum and energy. Yeah. And you could see even when Foles went in, I believe it was it against the Falcons, whatever game he went in, you saw every, yeah, everybody it was on that team, just the energy instantly picked mm-hmm. up. And that's another thing, too, where on the defense, you know, those guys for so long, I mean, Khalil Mack and company, they, they've had to carry the load, you know, because Mitch wasn't doing his job. You know, do your job, but he wasn't doing his. So it just – it energizes everybody else, and that's the other unspoken thing about Nick Foles because there is this belief and this confidence of, like, you know, we, we've seen what he can do. Yeah. He, can, he can get it done. And you just didn't have that with Mitchell Trubisky. Mm-hmm. And, and it helps you – like you said, I'm glad you said it because it helps your defense out a lot when, you know, you know that – when you go to the sideline, you, it's not a guarantee that you're going to get three and outs all the time, and you got to go right back on the field. You know that you got somebody that can move the ball down the field and keep, keep exactly. you on the sideline to get you some rest. Exactly. I like that one. I would agree about, there, uh, with that for sure. Any under 500 teams, any under 500 teams that you think that can make a run that, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're struggling right now, you think their season is under misery, any teams that can turn things around. I think Houston uh, can, can, I don't think, I don't know if they'll win the division, but Houston, because the Colts are interesting because yes, they have a veteran quarterback and their defense is elite, but I I've been saying this, you buy what you pay for, you get what you pay for. And Phillip rivers, as much as he can sling the rock around, he will sling it to the other team too. So I think with the Colts and them showing a little vulnerability against the Browns this week, I think Houston, if you can kind of just get in a rhythm, you don't have Bill O'Brien anymore, you can get a rhythm going. You're not in the hardest division, so anything could happen. Yeah, that, yeah, definitely for sure. I like, I like, I like Houston, but also, yeah, you're absolutely right. In my opinion, the, the Colts are one of those teams where they're a, they're a legit quarterback away from being a real Super Bowl contender based on the roster that they have around. The, uh, with the Indianapolis Colts, but like you said, with Philip Rivers, he's a- aging. Philip Rivers at that, it's it's a, it's a little different. How about what do what do you what, what is it, what is it about? Um, how about how about even with even with Andy Dalton? How do you see these cow these Dallas Cowboys finishing the season out? I really like the Cowboys. Like some people are straight Cowboys haters, you know the Stephen A. Smiths of the world. You know, <laughs> they, like they're straight. I love the Cowboys because they're an optimistic fan base to me, and I, I love that. I don't. I. I still. I don't feel that much differently about the Cowboys than I did yesterday when they had Dak Prescott. I feel like 
this I don't think Mike McCarthy was the right fit I think he was a pedigree guy I think he obviously wanted his second chance at things and you know I I just don't I never thought that this was a great exciting fit at coach and and we're seeing look at the Brown situation you go from Freddie Kitchens to a guy that knows what he's doing that's that's not as old school in his thinking who understands like how to work with players and look at the success that they're having so I I think more so then talent-wise, you have to get better coaching in there. And then defensively, I, I just – they have got to get it together. So I don't have a lot of confidence in Dallas at this point. The only confidence I have is, again, they are in the <laughs> NFC least and anything can happen. Yeah, exactly. You, you look at the – like, what about the like the Minnesota Vikings? I yeah. know they lost yeah. to the buzzer. No. I know Cousin Kirk is my guy. I have never, <laughs> Cousin ever, Kirk, ever but I, I can't do it. I, I, I'm not going to – can't do it. I'm not going to say the player, but I remember there was a player. I was um, I was having a conversation with a player on the Vikings around the time that they signed with Kirk Cousins. And I thought, you know, because at that time it was like this historic deal, you know, $84 million. And I kind of thought there would be a little bit more juice. And they were kind of like, yeah, it was cool. And that kind of let me know, like, okay, they, they – I think the Vikings – because you have to look at where the Vikings were before Kirk Cousins. Mm-hmm. This was a team who was just in the NFC Championship – with Case Keenum. Mm-hmm. So they're like, we were not that far away, right. right? And so I think with the addition of Kirk Cousins, and I've said this many times, free plug on my show, the Ash the Ross show, I've said this many times that I think the problem when they got Kirk Cousins was when you pay a guy that kind of money, um, you cannot pay other players. And the Vikings were not that far off from a championship caliber team, but because they have had to allocate so much money to Cousins, you know, Diggs is gone. A, a key pieces from that defense that was all world a couple years ago, they're gone. And so now you're left with these remaining pieces and you're left with Kirk Cousins in this contract that has really proven not to be that great. So this is why I think with the Vikings, especially being, you know, the, the Packers are having a resurgence um, these last two years, the bears are coming along the lions. They're still lions, but still like, the the Vikings to me have unfortunately I, I was holding out hope but their championship window has closed in so my opinion well. I believe so I would agree well, there so as well it's done we've been talking for a while so uh, <laughs> we're already tapping this for a commercial break but when we come back <laughs> we're gonna have Ashley with us again this is something that we love doing with our guests it's it's we kind of get into the personal life of you guys and outside of football and outside of content we want to know how are you outside. Of podcasting. That's every podcast radio show inside the studios of WNSC. I'll put it like this Grit, let me ask you this, Ashley. Do you eat grits? Yes, I do. Do you put salt and pepper on your grits, or do you put, I put sugar? I put sugar. Ooh, you sugar girl. Okay, got it. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. She, she, she. Okay, so she cultured, she cultured a little bit. She cultured a little bit. All right, so I know you're a music girl, too. You're a music girl, too. All right, so I'm going to bring this up to this. Who dominating the West Coast better right now? All right? <laughs> this, okay. This, it's, 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 it's tricky, because two legends. We're going to E-40 or Nipsey? I would say right now, oh, I love both. Um, I think I think Nipsey 
has gotten uh, so much love. I, I wish it would have been more prior to him passing, but I think Nipsey, I mean, I still go places and you hear Nip bumping. So I would say Nipsey. E-40 definitely has the bangers, but but definitely I would say Nipsey. Okay. Okay. That's a, that's a tough one right there. Don't yeah, that's dude. very tough. I don't know two, who I'm two, two West legends. <clears throat> no doubt. We're going to keep it music. Um, growing up, were you, uh, were you Team Lil, Lil Bow Wow or Team Romeo? Oh my gosh, this is so funny. And it's funny because in real life, I'm actually friends with Romeo. But I would say, <laughs> but I, I would say, I'm sorry, Rome. I would say, Bow Wow. All right. Okay. So let's. Let's keep it going. Let's keep Bow it going. Had the like Rome had the bangers, but Bow and Sierra, I ain't never had nobody. Sure. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know that. We know that. We know that. Oh, yeah. Much love to Romeo Master P, We love them. All right. Let's keep music. Let's keep your music here. Ooh. 80s or 90s? Which era was better? 90s. Okay. 90s, all the best music was made in the 90s. Oh, man. We had the best. Come, come on. Yeah, you had Pac, Biggie, time. Whitney, Aaliyah. Mm -hmm. If I could go back, Doctor Dre, Jay Z, it would be the nineties. The nineties. Okay. Okay. A lot of my fashion is very nineties inspired. Oh, right, right, I gotcha. Okay. Talk to me about. <laughs> this is funny, because um, <laughs> I can't even even say right now. Okay, so, um. Who's a better MC in the game right now? Damia Lillard or Marvin Bagley? Oh my gosh, another one of my friends. So I love Marv. I love Marv. And his album is really, really good. But I think just like pound for pound. I mean, Dame could actually be like, Marv could rap too. But Dame, you know, like is better than some of these rappers I hear out here. I like Dame agree. is just, I agree. Dame is just, he's just cold with it. They actually have a song together on Marv's album that's really cold. That's a really good song. Oh, okay. Ooh. Okay. Yeah, it's just, if, if we're sticking, it's just we're sticking to music, you know. I, uh, uh, you or West Coast, J. Cole or Kendrick Lamar? Oof. Oh, Cole, Cole all day. Ooh, okay, okay, okay. You okay. know Savvy. All right. Listen, you know listen I love Kendrick, but I just, I mean, J. Cole is, is probably, I would say, if not my top three, maybe my number one artist. I love J. Cole. J. Cole like, is my 20, number one. J. Cole is my number one. Forest Hills Drive is like one of the soundtracks to my life. He's the best in the game. I, 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 I thought you was going Kendrick. I yeah, love, I, I, I thought she was a crib. I thought she was a crib. Listen, I am neutral. I, I have I get loves from the bloods and the crips. I'm a neutral party. Okay. Well, well, you know, you know, you know what they say, right? If you mix blue and you mix red together, that equals green. So you, you, you got you got the bread. So you, you're good. You're exactly. Good. Listen, I, I I'm cool with both sides. I don't want no smoke. I don't. <laughs> I do not come. I do not play when it comes to the banging. I don't want no smoke with anybody. I respect to both sides. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome! I'd hate somebody asking me that question. I'm a huge Cole fan, but yeah, Lamar a killer too. <laughs> so that'd be that'd be really tough. Here's the thing, though. This this is a little funny question right now. So, um, I don't know if you know about him. Uh, there's a kid called Raxby Snapping, or a guy that pretty much everybody knows too, and that's Blueface. Well, what's your Blueface, thoughts? Blueface, baby. Oh, <laughs> Blueface. Okay. Honestly, I mean, this is the thing. Like, Blueface, I, I can't hate somebody uh, hustling and, and making money. Um, do I think he's the most lyrical person to ever come out? No. And he, and I think he would admit that. I, I think the thing is with 
Blueface, it's like people make him popular. He had a really catchy song. Then he got like great people on the remix. He had Cardi on the remix. Um, do I think he'll be a longevity person? Not necessarily, but I mean, everybody was bumping Tatiana. Let's be real. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. When you, when you talk about the influence of LA, who's got a bigger lasting impact? Is it Snoop Dogg or is it Ice Cube? Wow. I, I mean, I think I, oh gosh, that is so great tough. One, great one, Sebi. Oh, that's that's tough. I, I think they're different. You know, I think Ice Cube has influenced not only music, but but um, culture and movies. You think of Friday, you think of, you know, Boys <laughs> in the Hood, you think of like things like that, Boys are just, in like, cult- cultural icons, right? And then you have Snoop, who's just had just longevity. And I think the, the thing with both of them, um, which I think should be a blueprint for everybody today, is they're authentic to who they are. And I think that's why they have sustained as long as they have. I I can't honestly. I can't pick either one. I think both of them are. That's that's like two of the goats. So I I, I got to go with both. Okay. I plead the fifth. I plead the fifth. She plead the fifth. All right, you got your fifth. <laughs> okay. Sports wise in LA, as far as the Lakers are concerned, who had a bigger influence? Um, for like as as far as you know, who had bigger impact with the Lakers in your opinion? Uh, was it Magic Johnson or Kobe Bryant? That's tough too. That's real God. tough. Because yeah. both both players have said have switched and said it was it was the opposite. You know, <laughs> real tough, real tough. I mean, I think I think Magic is the foundation. I mean, Magic laid that foundation. I right. think Kobe, just the Mamba mentality, taking it to another level. I, I just think that both of them made LA cool. Both of them made the Lakers cool. I think. I think for me personally, I may just give the slight edge to Kobe just for myself because I think while Magic was is amazing, Magic was a little bit more effortless than Kobe. I think Kobe really worked at it really hard, and I think for that, I would kind of give the edge to Kobe for that Mamba ness that he brought to it. So I think I'd go with Kobe on that one. Okay, you know Mike is biased. That's his favorite. That's, player. My, that's my favorite player all time. Kobe at all time. Oh. Uh, I know you were heartbroken. Oh, I cried. I said a tear for him. Yeah. Yeah, 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 he did. Here's, 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 here's one, too, and I'll give you my answer as well. Um, better duo, Shaq and Kobe or MJ and Pippen? Mm. You know, the thing is, the Shaq-Kobe era, it was just so dominant. And there's always, you know, there's so many questions of, like, what could have been, you know, right, with Shaq-Kobe. And then with Michael and Pippen, I, I think – Pippen doesn't get the respect that he deserves mm-hmm. because he was playing a- alongside Michael. Um, it's that's tough. Oh, gosh. Well, so what was the full question about it? The better better duo. Better duo. Mm. I think maybe Shaq Kobe. I think mm. maybe Shaq Kobe. That that that'd be my pick. That's I, because you know that'd that be probably. my pick because here's the thing. You, I always like to look at it in this perspective. You match them up head to head. When you put Shaq and Kobe against Jordan and Pippen, you had to double Shaq. There, there was no answer. So you had to double Shaq and then Kobe gets off. Or if you let Kobe get off, you're just going to get abused inside. There was no answer for mm-hmm. Shaquille O'Neal. He demanded attention, double cover, triple cover in his own. So that's that. That that's well. That's a really good point. Yeah, great, yeah, great point. No, for that. Well, um, growing up, um, were you a PlayStation or Xbox person? 
honestly, I'm not a gamer. I've never been into video games. But um, I would say if I had to pick one, Xbox. I've played a little Halo in my day, but yes, I'd go with Xbox. Okay, okay, okay. Here's something that you might know. You know, I know you were in a gamer though. I. Uh, uh, you're gonna be a GameCube girl or a PSP girl? Oh, GameCube! I used okay. to Mario, some okay. Mario Party on the GameCube. We used to get a popcorn <laughs> with the Mario Party. All right, I had a Nintendo 64 too, so you know, super on that or as well. Anyways, it, it, it was great to just have the opportunity to chit chat and have you after this time to um, be able to take time off of sports and be able to get the integral part of your life. Some I think that gets overshadowed by what we do as content creators and, and as journalists and, and, and podcasters in this uh, industry pretty much as a whole. But if you guys also want to get connected with Ashley, her description to her show and the link will be on the description below um, after this episode as well. But as always, it's a pleasure and we'd hope to have you as a returning guest. Thank you so much, Debbie. I appreciate it, Michael. It was so nice to, to talk to you as well. And when Russell wins his MVP, we'll take your apology. Um, but <laughs> no, for real, though, thank you guys so much for having me. And, Sebi, I love what you do. You are one of the best at it. You're very consistent, and that's key in this field. So anytime, hit me up. And thank you for allowing me to come on your platform. Ashley, I, pre- Ashley, I appreciate the energy and the vibes. And you, you're very dope, dope, and you really know your stuff. And uh, you know, I look forward to connecting with you in the future. Absolutely. You guys take care. Yep. We appreciate that as well as well. When we come back, we'll wrap things up. The Sebi Podcast Radio Show live inside of our studios here in WNSC. And we are back here for our fourth, actually, our fourth and final segment. Typically, it's three, but we've had to extend things tonight, um, given the circumstances. Myself, Sammy, alongside Michael Gray, my main co-host, and uh, nothing short of greatness on that one, Ashley Ross Podcast. I advise everybody to tune in. She she brought the energy and she brought the vibes and uh you know it's definitely somebody that you know you you could definitely see I could definitely see myself going uh anytime I'm in LA I got I got somebody I can call up and talk some trash with about some sports about no doubt no doubt there for some great vibes there as well the Ashley Rod podcast will be on the description box below a lot of other big sports headlines Mike the MLB playoffs as it stands right now the Tampa Bay Rays two zero on the Astros, I, as a Tampa Bay native, well, I wouldn't consider myself a fan, but, you know, the proximity here near (laughs) Orlando, I got to root for the Florida team, you know, a Florida boy. (laughs) (laughs) I underestimated, Mike. I I thought this was an Astros team. This is their fourth straight ALCS. I thought they were the more experienced team four years straight in a row. That in itself is, is very, very hard to do, especially in baseball. Yeah. You know, uh, compared to any other sport, any other sport, you could buy players, you could trade uh, any big free agent acquisitions. But in, in baseball, you, a lot of things factor farm system to being able to get the right pitching to hitting to everything. So they've done very well to make it to four straight um, ALCS. And I thought that the Rays were might get exposed. But as it stands, the Rays are up to 0 
Yeah, their defense. Their defense has been tremendous. On game yeah, one, it's lights out, Mike. It's, it's, it's been it's been lights out, and but, but game one, you got to look at you know the, the Astros are out here squandering big time opportunities, Sebi. I mean, the, in game one, they they went two for eight with runners on base, and they left ten runners on base. Uh, game one, that that, that cost them there, and they only lost by one point. You know, the Rays have played great defense, and uh, Houston they they just squandered squandered too many opportunities. Uh, but, um, think about this, Sebi. Through two games in this series, Jose Altuve, Guriel. George Springer and Michael Brantley are all a combined nine for thirty-one in this in this series. That's not terrible, Sebi, but it's not great either. And it's definitely they're definitely going to need more production from their best guys if they want to extend this series. Tampa Bay is in the driver's seat; they're up two zero right now. And, and usually, the team that that is up two zero wins uh, close to about eighty-five to ninety percent of the time. So we'll we'll see. They're in a great lead right now, and uh, we'll see how this series plays out. But yeah, you're right. Houston, um, they they've shot themselves in the foot a lot in this series, and Tampa Bay got off to that high starting game, too, and they, they never looked back. To be exact, you're not quite far off. 78.7% uh, teams that go up 2-0. So there's still hope for the Astros, but 9 for 31 definitely isn't <laughs> the Astros baseball that they know. But guys like George Springer, uh, obviously, um, World Series MVP in 2017 and, and others, they've got to step up <clears throat> down 0-2. Here is... A shocker, Mike, the Atlanta Braves, obviously the underdog uh, against the Dodgers, a team that I picked to win it all. They're yeah. up 5-1, and they're actually wrapping things up, so the Braves are will steal game one. One thing about the Braves, Mike, they can hit Marquecas to yes. Freddie Freeman to guys like Ronald Acuna, who might be the next great baseball superstar. They've got firepower, and they showed that here in game one. Yeah, the, yeah, it seems like the two underdog teams in both these series are just letting it fly, and they're just having fun. So, I mean, and they're right. You know, you you got a situation. You got a situation where Atlanta. You're right. The Dodgers. They look like the better team on paper, and, they, and they've shown uh, that they're a very formidable team. But you know, when the playoffs come around, it's it's, it's game by game, and games get tight. And the, the 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 closer we get to these situations, the more uh, pressurized uh, situations. The, the more these these um. The bats might get tight, or, or or the pitcher might be a little off, and you, you you've seen that over the years with the Dodgers. Every time they get closer and closer to this moment, they they all of a sudden they get tight. They don't play as free as they played throughout the season. So, uh, hats off to Atlanta. They 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 captured Game One. It was one one for uh, a strong part of that game, and and then they overcame it. We'll see how the Dodgers respond in Game Two. Yeah, we'll see how the Dodgers respond to saying to seventy four percent of teams that win Game One or still Game One is underdogs win the series. The Dodgers have ground to make up moving on to this seven game series we shift to the women's game the WNBA finals Stewie that's right Brianna Stewart the (laughs) best player in the WNBA finals this is her track record through 26 years right she's 26 year old this is her track record thus far Mike four championships that NCAA championships all four years in UConn and four times most outstanding player of the tournament in UConn. That's only for Gino Ariema. And then since coming into the league as a Seattle Storm member, she has won two MVPs and two finals MVPs alongside Sue Byrne, who's won her fourth, that's right, her fourth WNBA title over a 17-year stretch. Only LeBron James in the men's game can compare to that. So congratulations to the Seattle Storm. Yeah, the Seattle Storm, they 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 absolutely dominated. They 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 showed why, you know, if it wasn't for the injuries that to be honest, Stewart and others last year, 
why they, they could have potentially three-peated or gone to the WNBA Finals three straight years in a row because they're that formidable of a team. Not only Brianna Stewart, but Sue Bird, absolutely amazing with some of the no-look passes and just her, her high basketball IQ out there on the court being in the league for 17 years. You know, this is her fourth championship. I, I, I was proud of her. I was proud to see uh, her, her capture that. And just her, her confidence in the game. You know, you got Jewel Lloyd, the, the young player who's going to be special for years to come in this game. Uh, Alicia Clark. They, they have so many pieces on the Seattle team. It's a veteran bunch. But I ain't going to lie to you, Sevy. I have to give my hats off to the Las Vegas Aces because they played very well. Asia, Asia Wilson winning the MVP this season. You know, without Derek and Derek go uh, gets hurt. Without a Liz Cambage. Without a, a Kelsey Plum. I would have loved to see a fully loaded Las Vegas team go up against the Seattle team because it would have been a, a special five-game series. And I really, really, I really believe it would have went five. But it didn't happen that way. You can't take anything away from um, Seattle because they, they absolutely dominated and they deserved this one. But uh, hats off to the Aces as well because they had a tremendous season. And uh, Asia Wilson definitely deserved that MVP. But uh, this, this is Seattle's moment. Yeah, it was Seattle's moment there as well. And last but not least, in other sports news, Rafael Nadal, his 13th French Open yeah. title, Mike. I mean, come on. Now. They should, I, I've mentioned they should probably turn the French Open to the Nadal Open. Uh, this is a guy that's dominated this competition. Now he ties Roger Federer, 20 yes. major Grand Slams for all time. Is he the GOAT uh, uh, when you talk about the standard in the game of tennis? He's in the conversation. He's definitely in the conversation. He's put himself over the hump. And we've seen plenty of matchups between him and Federer uh, that, that, have, that have gone down to the wire and then the, just the battles that they've had over the years. This is a, it's a, he's, a, he's very special. And him capturing another one, he's – He's definitely adding to his resume and definitely making making his statement and making his presence known that hey I'm I'm in that conversation as well. So I I'm not too sure if he's the quite the goat. I I love me you know I've always loved Roger Federer. He's always been my guy. But at the same time, Rafael Nadal is making a a, a strong claim for himself, and we'll see within the next few years uh, where in my opinion will change. But um yeah, he's definitely in the conversation. Yes, he is definitely in a conversation. Those two guys, they've they've been gone and at it since <laughs> 2006. Since we were babies, Sammy. Yeah, we since, were babies. We, since we were young in high school. But one thing that you, we don't have to wait for two years for it is myself and Michael Gray, this tandem, the Sevy Podcast Radio Show, and fantastic evening inside the studios of WNC. You'll see us next week and not two years from now. We'll see you guys next time. Hey, everyone, we're excited just as much as you guys tonight if you enjoyed this show and frankly, even some of our other episodes as well. If you want to show your appreciation for the show, ensure that you leave us a rating and a review in our iTunes and Spotify. And remember, you can stay locked in here and connected. SevyPodcast.info link for the latest news, articles, interviews, and much more. And remember, wherever you're listening on air or online, the Sebby Podcast is wherever you go.